It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 21st, 2014. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll look forward to your participation. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Uh, looking forward to our discussion. Looking forward to a good discussion. We've got a very special guest tonight. Yeah, tonight we have joining us in this first segment of the program, Brian Harris, who's the president of Tennessee Right to Life. He's also the campaign chairman for a uh, an effort being made to promote a constitutional amendment in the state of Tennessee. What's it called, Brian? Uh, yes on, just yes on one? All right. Have we got him up, Jake? We uh, do. There we go. All right. There we go. Brian, we thank you for joining us on the program tonight. Uh, we want to talk about this because we have a lot of Tennessee listeners. We think it's an important opportunity for us to let our light shine, basically, as we believe the Lord wants us to do. We have a right to, to vote on a proposition that will amend the Tennessee Constitution. We want you to tell us about that. We want to make sure everybody who is in Tennessee and who has the privilege to vote on this amendment understands what it is and what is the proper vote. Well, I thank you, gentlemen, for having me tonight. It's always good to come to Columbia, home of Mule Day, right? That's, That's right. right. That's right. Absolutely. And so it, it is a privilege to be able to vote, no question about it. And, and we, uh, as Christians, have a, have a clear responsibility uh, to be salt and light, and we all agree with that, I, I do believe. You know, so many people say back in Roe v. Wade, when that was decided in 1973, we didn't have an opportunity. We didn't have a voice. Uh, we did not get to vote on that. Well, yet here in Tennessee, as you've said, on November 4th, 2014, every Tennessean, regardless of their position on abortion, is going to have the opportunity to once and for all have their say. And this, this vote, yes on one, is coming as a result of a, a really radical pro-abortion court ruling by our Tennessee Supreme Court back in the year 2000. And as you gentlemen already know, uh, four of the five state Supreme Court judges ruled in favor of a court case brought by Planned Parenthood and the ACLU in which they claimed that some of the protective policies passed over the past decades by Tennessee's legislators, speaking on behalf of the people of Tennessee, that these in fact violated a so-called fundamental right to abortion that they believed existed within uh, the Tennessee Constitution. And so those of your listeners, your viewers who have who have read the Tennessee Constitution, know that in the same fashion uh, that there is no mention of a fundamental right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution. Of course, the Tennessee Constitution has historically been silent, has been neutral on the matter of, of abortion until the year 2000, in which those four court judges ruled as a majority and said, yes, uh, the Tennessee Constitution protects a fundamental right to abortion, and any effort by the people of the state to infringe on that right uh, has to be so narrowly drawn and drafted as to be practically uh, meaningless and non-existent. And so when these uh, Supreme Court justices ruled, basically they made it so that effectively uh, uh, no regulation can be placed upon uh, restricting abortions in the state of Tennessee. And I think Tennessee citizens would be shocked to know that as a result of that we've become – one of the most liberal states in the union, certainly one of the most liberal state of any any in the, here in the southeast, 
in allowing abortions. In other words, they are almost unrestricted in our state. Uh, that is the sad truth. It's not the will of the people, and it's certainly not the will of uh, the pro-life majorities who have been elected by the people to the Tennessee General Assembly. But you're exactly right. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control actually document that Tennessee has become an abortion destination. Uh, in, in, in fact, one of every four abortions that is performed now in our state uh, is sought by a woman or a girl who resides someplace other than Tennessee. And so you don't have to be strongly pro-life to, to believe and agree and understand that that's not how we want to be designated. That's not who we are as a people. And, and on, again, on November 4th, we have the opportunity to vote yes on Amendment 1, restore to the people the authority and the ability to decide for ourselves what our public policies on life ought to be. And the fact is that if this constitutional amendment fails, the likelihood is it will become even worse in Tennessee. That, that the few remaining restrictions that are on the books will likely be struck down and that it will become even – it's already almost right. unrestricted. It will become effectively completely unrestricted. Yeah, I, I think you've characterized it exactly right. Uh, again, one out of every four abortions sought in Tennessee is, is performed on a woman or a girl who resides someplace else. Uh, that, and that we've seen a 30% increase in the number of out-of-state abortions just since the year 2000. And so, again, uh, listeners and viewers need to understand and know uh, – I lost my train of thought there they, – they need to realize and understand uh, that – Again, one out of every four abortions is performed on an out-of-state, uh, an out-of-state woman. Yeah. So, so what? So the Supreme Court, in effect, took away the uh, legislature's ability to make any rules regarding abortion. Is that? Am I understanding what you're saying correct? That, that is correct. Uh, we can pass many bills, but the the question is whether or not they they can be enforced. And based so, upon, this, based upon the precedent of this two, year 2000 decision. That's right. And so, this amendment just makes it possible for legis- the legislature to make rules. That's then. right. Okay. The, the amendment itself does not enact any particular policy. It simply restores to the people uh, the ability and to to enact. I, uh, I think that's really policies. an important point that our Tennessee listeners who will have the opportunity to vote on this need to understand. It's not saying we passed this and we've automatically right. banned abortions in Tennessee. That's not the case, unfortunately. I wish it could be so, but it's, that's not the case. But what it does do is it puts back in the hands of elected officials the right to legislate that's right. this matter. Clear, clear language within the amendment that uh, folks can find at yesonone.org um, is that the people retain for themselves the right uh, to enact, amend, or repeal statutes regarding abortion. So again, we're not saying what the policies ought to be. We're simply stating that it ought to be the people, the voters, the citizenry of the, of the state of Tennessee. And if you agree with that, that you think we the people ought to decide abortion policy in our state, then we need you to get out and to vote yes on Amendment 1. Yeah, so it's really and, – and the wording of the amendment's a little peculiar because uh, no doubt it was written by lawyers. <laughs> lawyers speak in a different kind of language well. than the rest of us. And so and what is the – I know you all are concerned that if someone is not up on this and they walk right. into the voting booth and they see that, they're going to think, well, what does that mean? Does that, does that mean I should vote yes or I should vote no? You know, I, I, if I'm a pro-life person – and I read that, and I'm, well, if I said no, it means this. Mm-hmm. If I said yes. So we want to make it very clear. The answer, the, the desired vote for those of us who believe that abortion is a sin and it's the murder of, a, of an innocent human life, those of us who have that strong conviction, 
We need to vote yes on one. Yes is the pro-life vote. And I yeah. understand the, the language can be confusing, especially for lay folks. I'm not an attorney. I have followed this for a number of years. But but the bottom line is that uh, the language was constructed in such a way as to fit into a, a particular part in the state constitution. And the state constitution, if you were to open it, really isn't, isn't written in layman's terms itself. And so, again, in order to uh, accomplish what needs to be done in terms of nullifying and neutralizing the court's radical pro-abortion ruling in 2000, the language has to, to meet that standard and, and to be written in a particular way. Good, good. All right. Um, so the would you argue that even a, a pro-choice type mm-hmm. of person should, should really want yes on one because it uh, restores the authority to Tennessee legislators? Now, obviously right now we've got Thankfully, uh, a majority of legislators in both the House and the Senate that are pro-life. But uh, even even a pro-choice person should really, I suppose, if they were intellectually honest, want to return that to the voters. I I think you're hitting on it exactly right. Well, first of all, you know, I think those who advocate a a pro-abortion rights position, I think so often – you know, I, I've talked to people who say, well, I am vehemently pro-choice. Well, you start to, to take apart and deconstruct their position. You find out that, in fact, they are very much pro-life. Many people who would call themselves pro-choice think that abortion facilities, for example, logically ought to be regulated, licensed, and, and inspected by the Department of Health. That is a pro, pro-life pro position. It is pro-woman. Um, it's pro-common sense. And so we are reaching out not to just people, not only to people in this campaign who call themselves, quote-unquote, pro-life, but to people who want to take a fair assessment of our state's radical abortion policy and, and again, as you've stated, uh, feel that the, the proper role of the citizens is, to, is an opportunity to debate and decide what the public policies ought to be on this matter, but really on any public policy matter uh, that, that comes before. As, as voters. Let me ask you one more thing. We're talking to Brian Harris. He's the president of Tennessee Right to Life, and he's also the chairman, the campaign manager for Yes on One in Tennessee, a constitutional amendment that will be voted on in the November election. Let me ask you about part of the amendment that mentions rape and incest, because I think a lot of re- religious people will have a concern about this. Uh, I'd just like for you to explain it. I'm, I'm going to read the amendment as as it's written. And okay. nothing in this Constitution, in other words, we're amending our existing Constitution, nothing in this Constitution secures or protects a right to abortion or requires the funding of an abortion. The people retain the right through their elected state representatives and state senators to enact, amend, or repeal statutes regarding abortion including but not limited to circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest or when necessary to save the life of the mother. Uh, and some of us who are strongly pro-life mm-hmm. would, would not even recommend abortion in cases of rape or incest. Right. We're going to talk about that later in our program tonight, by the way. But if I vote for this, am I saying, am I, am I voting that I want an exception made in Tennessee law. Absolutely not. Okay. If, if I if I had the language up on a chart and I could take a big red marker, what I would do is I would circle back and say the people retain the right. Even in these most difficult of circumstances, it is the people's prerogative. It is the people who will decide uh, what, what those policies ought to be. And, and like you, I think, we trust the compassion, the charity, and the common sense of the people of Tennessee to debate and decide these matters for ourselves. And we don't need activist court judges amending our 
our founding document and telling us uh, under what circumstances uh, abortion will or will not be regulated. All right. So, uh, But I wanted to be clear on that. We're not saying – in other words, if you vote yes on one, you are not saying that you favor abortions in any circumstance. You're just saying – we believe Tennesseans ought to have the right to decide that's, those questions. That's what Amendment 1 is all about, restoring yeah. to the people. And then the people who feel the way that you've just described, they have the responsibility and the opportunity then, once again, to, to speak with their legislators and, and to urge them to have the strongest possible protections for the unborn child and for a woman and family who finds themselves in a vulnerable uh, pregnancy, even the result of, of terrible circumstances such as those. Okay, right. Um, well, that, our listeners are, are concerned about doing the right thing and being the right influence in society. And uh, and so from your vantage point and your position, how do you see the individual uh, as being able to have an influence on uh, on what uh, what occurs? Well, absolutely. The foundation for all pro-life work in our, in our Christian witness is prayer. And from a Christian perspective, I think we all recognize this, this is a fight uh, in the heavenlies, first and foremost. And so... You know, God affirms the dignity and the worth and the value of every of every person, including the unborn and including the woman who finds herself facing an unexpected or difficult pregnancy decision. And so as as believers and citizens, I think our first responsibility is to pray. Second, I think it is to become informed so that you're making an informed decision when you walk into that voting booth. And then third, should should you feel so compelled uh, and convicted, I think we have a responsibility at this juncture in our state's history. We have a responsibility. Future generations are going to look Look back at what we did or did not do during these critical next few days, uh, the next few weeks before this election day. And I, and I hope uh, that the urgency of this moment, um, the example that we can provide to the rest of the nation will shine through and will really fall upon the hearts and minds and that people will begin to stand up and be voices for common sense, for life and for these women and families who need advocates now more than ever. Okay. Ryan, let me ask you this. Is it appropriate for, I, I know that a lot of representatives from your group are going around speaking in various churches. Is it appropriate for churches, obviously this program is, is produced and sponsored by a church, is it appropriate for us to be engaging in a a matter that's going to be mm-hmm. decided by a public vote? I mean, you know, uh, I've got... I've got political viewpoints. I mean, uh, there there are some politicians that I just absolutely oppose. There's others I favor, but typically, I would never mention that from a pulpit. You know, vote right. vote for Republican candidate or vote for Democratic. Yeah, he's going to build that bridge that we've been wanting for these all these years. So, yeah, yeah. Should, yeah, yeah. If he does, if yeah. if you guys vote for so and so for governor, then we're going to get that road paved out there yeah. in Hampshire. Yeah. Um, we got to do something about these uh, these roads. They're terrible. Yeah. yeah. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, we, right. In fact, we, we, we take a very strong stand that we should not be engaged in right. political uh, rhetoric. Right. Is it appropriate for us, though, to be involved in a, a subject like this? It's not only appropriate, it is imperative that the people of God lead at this critical juncture in our state's history. Um, and, and even the IRS, even the IRS regulations that govern a, a church's uh, governance, um, they clearly stipulate uh, that uh, churches and nonprofit organizations, 501c3 organizations, contrary to what a church might do in a candidate's uh, political contest, this is solely different. And clearly, in the matter of a referendum, uh, churches and nonprofit organizations can take a position either in favor, in support, or in opposition uh, to amendment. Okay. We got a, Jack is running the board. Jack's got a question, comment. You know, Brian, what amazed me in the 
we had went to a workshop and talked about this, uh, how long it took a number of years to get to this point because of the fact of our legislation. Could you talk about that? You know, Well, just real briefly, I think, you know, the scripture tells us people perish for lack of knowledge. And quite honestly, uh, it's no surprise that the majority of Tennesseans were unaware of the Planned Parenthood lawsuit, which was handed down in the year 2000. It was handed down quietly on a Friday afternoon. And so it's been a very long process of awakening people, letting them know what the facts are regarding uh, Tennessee's status as an abortion destination. And I think most people are very shocked. Oh, yeah. they, they, they see us as a conservative state, as a religious state, as a red state. Um, but, 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 but the fact of the matter is uh, that, that while many of us were doing things important to in our communities, with our families, in our churches, uh, folks with a different social agenda were very busy carrying that forward, and they succeeded. We are now one of 16 states with a fundamental right to abortion interpreted into our state constitution. I believe we will be the first one to overturn that and, and to be a lighthouse and, a, and an encouragement to those other 15 states. Uh, to say Tennesseans did it, and you you can you can push back to and restore uh, the prerogative of your people to decide what uh, what public policies ought to be on the matter but then, of life. But this is here we are in 2014, as Jack was just mentioning. It's been 14 years mm-hmm. since this Supreme Court ruling, mm-hmm. and of course, I suppose every state has its own uh, methodology for uh, amending const- their constitution. But ours required it had to pass. By a majority in the state legislature once, then had to wait till another legislature was seated, and it had to pass with a supermajority of two thirds of the vote. That's right, and that got it on the the ballot. But it had to be a, a an election year in which there was a, a campaign for state governor. That's right. And so we had to wait a, again longer to get on. There wasn't a, gov, a gubernatorial election in 2012, so now it had to be 2014. That's so right. when it's it's really a a lengthy process. It is. And so people should not take the position, ah, well, you know, if I don't get out this time, they'll do it again next time. Yeah. We probably won't. This is a historic opportunity. And let, let me just say, I, I see where you're heading on that. Uh, the fact of the matter is when we started this process, I didn't have any gray hair. So if that tells you, <laughs> that tells you anything about how long this has taken, what, what I have found solace in from the very beginning of this is that what the enemy of life has meant for evil and our demise and our destruction uh, the creator and lover of all life has meant for our good. And so while our timetable might not be, have been so slow, I, I have seen a wonderful opportunity. I've seen a number of diverse Christian groups come together and, 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 and see that this is one area in which we have unity. The purpose and, and the need for protecting every human life is just paramount. How many abortions are performed every day in Tennessee on average? Uh, we're, we're looking, I, I think, first of all, to the facility in South Nashville, which is three doors down from the Tennessee Right to Life office. And uh, each week there are approximately 90 to 100 unborn children who lose their, their life I there. Think, I think we're... Uh... I think isn't there isn't the number something over sixteen thousand per year statewide? It is, and, and so you're, you're looking at what? You're better in math than I am, but but I uh, we're, we're looking at five uh, fifty a day, fifty a day. Would that be right? Something like that. Uh, so uh, my point on that is <laughs> we have to get our calculators out here. But my point on that is that uh, every day that we wait. It's right. just that more innocent life that's lost. And and again, not all, I, I I think you know pro life folks get a bad rap for only sometimes uh, folks consider that we only care about the unborn. And and so yes, their life is lost. 
but but there's a victim who carries that grief uh, and and hurt for the rest of her life unless she finds the the healing and peace that, that that we believe and know that Christ can offer to her. And so I think we not only have to consider the consequences and and the cost in terms of unborn life, but also the the hurt and pain of of these women. Now you make a good point because you you believe as we do that that, that there are consequences toward to the mother as well right. uh, that that are lifelong, and then we can prevent that as well with this right. this amendment. How long would it take? I, I, we need to let you go, Brian, but one last question here. How long would it take if we pass yes on one in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. How long would it take before some reasonable restrictions on abortion could be enacted? Well, again, we have pro-life majorities, pro-life supermajorities in both houses of the Tennessee General Assembly. They have exerted a lot of influence, uh, poured a lot of political capital into the passage and placement of Amendment 1 on the ballot for the people to vote. They are committed to restoring those common sense protections, and I believe when they uh, when they return to Nashville uh, in January, there's no question but that the restoration of these common sense protections would be a, a top priority. Right. Wade right. is in our chat room tonight. He wants to know how he can get information to help advertise. Well, absolutely. One, one more time, our website, if, if you're on the Internet, you're watching tonight, I guess you're on the Internet. Uh, our <laughs> website is yesonone.org. Yes on the... Yes on numeral one. It's actually yes They're on... Spelled out? O-N-E. Okay. Actually, it's just yes on one. Uh, yes you spell on, out one. Yes y- on... One dot org dot org. That's okay, right. great, great. It's a great place to start. Join us on Facebook. There's a daily update about things that are important that are occurring within the campaign. And if you live in a county where there's not a yes on one team yet, we have about 75 counties where there is. So we need 20 more of you to step up and say, I'll, I'll help in my county to, to ensure that yes on one is passed on November. And I just don't think we can emphasize strongly enough. You need to get out and vote. If you typically don't vote, if you're not even registered to vote, go register immediately. So that you can vote on this. If you vote on nothing else, that's right. Vote on this. We want it to be a landslide, but it's not guaranteed, is it? it it's far from guaranteed. Uh, early, in part because, as you mentioned, the uh, the language is very confusing. Tennessee is a strongly pro-life state, but again, you look at that language, and if you're not familiar with, uh, you know, the nuance or why this language is necessary, if you've never heard of what the court ruled in the year 2000, you, you may think, well, we we already have all the protections we need. And so, until you are informed that we are an abortion destination, that one out of every four abortions is performed on a woman who resides someplace else, uh, I I think. I think you would not feel the urgency that I hope many of your listeners and viewers will will now feel as a result of tonight's program. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. We appreciate you. We appreciate the work that you're doing, and we'll be lending our support to your efforts to amend the Tennessee Constitution in November. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian Harris, uh, Tennessee Right to Life. Yes on O-N-E. Dot com, org, dot org. Dot org. All right. Guys. Thank you, Brian. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll get your thoughts uh, during the break in our chat room over the email tonight, questions at collegeu.com or 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that He commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? 
If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Reputation is what people think of us. Character is what God knows about us. Personality is what you are with other people. Character is what you are when you are alone. Money is a good servant, but a bad master. Pray as if everything depended upon God, and work as if everything depended upon you. What we do on some great occasion will probably depend on what we already are, and what we already are will be the result of previous years of self-discipline. Spend your time wisely. You only have one chance. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program. I want to say again, thank you to Brian Harris, uh, Tennessee Right to Life, uh, for coming to talk about this important amendment. Uh, we've got lots of things to talk about uh, now, and we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. The chat room is open to the bottom of your video feed. If you're watching us uh, there tonight, lots of folks are there. And, uh, and having some chat, but uh, that, that was an important discussion, oh, yeah. uh, really uh, eye-opening that uh, we do have the opportunity to stand up for what's right. Again, this is not a political discussion. This is not a political um, – there's no political motivation here. Uh, this is a, a moral issue that we're yeah, talking yeah, about tonight. I think some Christians – you know, we, we really try to stay out of politics, and, um, and we, we seriously do. We don't think it's, the, it's in our realm. We don't think the Lord wants us to be – uh, political as a group, uh, as as an organization, individually we we're, have the liberty to, sure, but, uh, but we're not a political action committee. There, here at there, all. But, and and as a matter of fact, there are a lot more important things than the political happenings uh, for us to be concerned about. But this is a moral issue. This is not politics. This yeah. is morality. Yeah. And so I'm, I imagine there's some folks who saw your update today and maybe listening to us. Like, hey, what are they doing talking about uh, about, about uh, political stuff? This isn't a political issue. This is a moral issue. I think that's exactly right. Okay. I don't think I could say it any better than that. That and and since it is. And since we have a, an opportunity to be a voice here, I really think Christians have got to do it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people. Jacob, you're not highly motivated to vote in political campaigns. Right. But I want to, I want to press people like you. If you're, if you're not registered to vote, get busy doing that right now. It's not hard to do so that you can vote in this November campaign. And if you don't want to vote for anybody else or anything else, just go in and vote yes on one. Actually, we found out, Jack. Uh, they're not they're not promoting this this purpose, but it, it has been discovered that if you were to not vote for governor in Tennessee, but vote yes on one, you would actually make it easier for the for this amendment to pass. And so again, Brian, we waited till Brian left to say that because they're not officially promoting that approach. Uh, but uh, somebody that, has done the math and figured somebody out. has done the math yeah. and the way this has to pass by the numbers and percentages that it has to have. If you went in the voting booth and did not vote for governor, but voted yes on one, you'd make it actually easier for this amendment to pass. So, right. and by the way, our governor is almost unopposed, so he's going to win anyway. Uh, so you could do that. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. Yeah, this is much more important than a political issue. In fact, uh, it is a moral issue that we've talked about with Brian that uh, we may not have the opportunity to address uh, on yeah. a, a referendum in the future. Based on how long it took him to get this to an election, um, it's it's highly unlikely that this would come back around for years and years. And just think about during all those years how many innocent lives would be lost and so forth. All right. 
to our update, I yes. don't have my questions. Do you have questions? You, yeah, I've got them here. I'd have to uh, – let me see here. I've got I've, I've them right here. Your questions are uh, – you asked – yeah, there you go. Take that one. For here me, here are moment. the questions that I sent out earlier today. Oh, no, I got that. Oh, uh, yeah. But you, got, uh, you, can, you can pick them out here. Number yeah, yeah, one, yeah. you asked for questions for Mr. Harris. Right. He's gone now, so you can't ask those. Sorry about that. But uh, do you think it's proper for Christians to be involved in efforts to enact laws that would regulate moral issues like abortion? If so, what are areas you would think might also be uh, legislated? So, what uh, you know, legislating morality, can yeah. we do that in yeah. what areas? And what would be off limits? Uh, and then what are your best arguments against abortion? And then there was one more, which was, yeah. do you think exceptions should be granted to allow abortions for rape or incest? Okay, we'll take your thoughts. Yeah. Um, let's start with, the, the, by the way, those questions were sent out earlier today about noon to our update list, and we always remind folks who are listening, even if you're listening in the archives, if you'd like to get on our update list so that you get these uh, uh, Thursday noontime indicators of our topic for discussion with some questions that you can answer, uh, get on our list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. You also get the free bonus of receiving our weekly Church Bulletin by email as well. It's so all free. It's all free. Yeah, yeah it's all free. Uh, and we'd and be glad some to say you get what you pay for. Yeah, and uh, but we'd be glad for you to be on our list, so send yeah. us an email. What if, uh, we, we did actually have one question for Mr. Harris that we didn't get to talk to him about online. Ramona in Texas asked, uh, she says, I live in Texas. Are these the same kind of restrictions that the Texas courts passed? And he, he, he spoke to that earlier uh, we would end up with some of the same effects. This is a different. This is a little different because the Texas decision apparently was made in the courts. This is being made by the voters okay. to, to basically dial back our courts with, that are, have, have acted very liberally. Rain, rain them in a little bit. But it would require. I think one of the things that's been a, been at issue in Texas is that uh, uh, the courts ruled that abortion clinics had to be inspected and regulated, and they had to have certain. Uh, basic health standards and so forth. Hopefully that would become the case in Tennessee. Now, this amendment won't make it so, but hopefully it would pave the way for our legislature to require those kinds of things. And so potentially, yes, the outcome could be the same. All right. Well, we've got some things that we need to talk about, uh, but we need to get our break and get a bullet point. When we come back, we need to talk about legislating morality in general. Some would say, well, you know, this it's foolish for us to have any laws regarding abortion because you can't legislate morality. We need to talk about that. I think that's a fundamental flaw in, in our understanding of, of what God expects from governments. We'll talk about that uh, when we get back. So we'll get a bullet point. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Uh, join in the chat room tonight or send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. It's easy to tell if someone is experienced with hard physical labor. A simple look at their hands will show it. Those who work at such tasks develop thick calluses from the repeated exposure to their work environment. The things that once irritated them and produced sore blisters now no longer hurt them. They have grown accustomed to these abrasives and their bodies have adjusted to them and there is no more adverse reaction. Sadly, too many Christians have developed a kind of spiritual callousness to the wicked world we live in. We are constantly bombarded by evil of every kind. We see it in person, we read about it, we view it on television, we hear it on the radio. We have unlimited access to it via the Internet and other media. Our neighbors are involved in it, officials in high office are engaged in it. Initially, all this evil irritates us. We are upset and disgusted by it. 
But gradually, by a long exposure to these things, we become hardened. We've grown accustomed to the evil, and it no longer bothers us. We have adjusted to it all, and there's no more adverse reaction. We can view the immorality and not be shocked by it. We can hear of the perverted deeds and not be repulsed. We are streetwise. We know about illicit sex, drug abuse, and every sort of wickedness. We talk about them with ease. We have become calloused. The Lord does not want us to be this way. He desires us to live in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12. He urges us to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. Romans 16 verse 19. He commands us to think on things that are pure, lovely, and of good report. Philippians 4 verse 8. Christian, are you keeping yourself unspotted from the world? James 1 verse 27. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program, and amen to that bullet point. Uh, certainly some good things for us to remember. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out more information about what we believe, what we practice, as well as directions to our meeting place and times of our meeting. We welcome you to any of our services at the College of Church of Christ. Come and find out what we're all about. Also, you can find uh, archives there of virtual Bible studies from the past nine-plus years and you can sign up for our podcast and our sermon podcast where you can receive uh, sermons that have been presented to the College of Church No, we don't recently. often mention this, Jacob, but there's another way to have contact with the Virtual Bible Study, and that's through Facebook. And Jack, who's running the board for us tonight, he keeps up that, that Facebook page. You and I are not Facebookers. No, we are not, but Jack, but Jack knows is, how to and, do it. And, he knows, and we, got a, we got a comment, Jack, in the, in the chat room from Guest 535 who says, I'm no longer in Tennessee, but I'm sharing on Facebook for my Tennessee family and friends. That's something we want people to do, right? Exactly. We, we. It's free. We, uh, you know, everybody has. They have so many friends. I'm saying two to three, four hundred friends each. Yeah. And two to, it, I have two or three. Two or three. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're just friendlier than we are. Now. <laughs> but and some of those are going to be Tennesseans here, and yeah. and and we we have a free way to advertise what we're trying to do, you know, and and it's too easy. To take that information, share it, like, like, we'd ask that you go and like our page, the Virtual Bible Study, and uh, then from there you can share tonight's episode with them. Okay. All right. So you can and hear Brian. You can hear Brian, the, uh, right? Okay, so, okay. And uh, if you go to our, our website, we can get a, you can do a podcast or, or get information or uh, an, an episode yeah. of tonight's and share that with other people. If not that, at least share what we're trying to do. Uh, with other people, you can go to the yes on tn uh, yes on one tn dot org. Yes, yes on one tn dot org. Plenty of good information there that you can just take and share that with other people. Yeah, and we got to be talking this up. So we're mid August. Yeah, exactly. So we've got uh, what one, two, less than three months before right. the election. So we need to be ramping this thing up and getting people really well informed about what's going on. And they have uh, some information there on the site that you can, either you're donating, you know, a button or a magnet you can put on your car. Highly recommend that you do that. Hey, you got your magnet there on the I've screen. Got, you're, st- you're letting us know yeah. where you stand on the issue, I, I guess. I've got yeah, it right you know, That's right. I, and we got, by the way, at the meeting we went to today, Jacob, we got stickers for our cars. Our cars are starting to look like race cars. <laughs> we got decals all over them, but that's yeah. okay. That's right. Free. Yeah. You're advertising the virtual Bible. You were advertising the community Bible study. Yeah. yeah. We had some other uh, activities going on here. You were advertising as well. So yeah. Right. 
All right. So let's get let's look let's look at some Bible on this. First of all, do you think it's proper for Christians to be involved in efforts to enact laws that would regulate moral issues like abortion? Yeah. Should we be involved? We kind of touched on this with Brian and and I'm saying absolutely yes, based upon the very simple principle that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus said uh verse thirteen, ye are the salt of the earth. Uh, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Yeah. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works yeah. and glorify your Father which is yeah. in heaven. Yeah, you know, there's some people who, uh, some Christians who would say, well, I, I don't want to vote because I, I would be voting for a man who may do things that would be contrary to God's will. Or I don't think I could be involved in pol- in politics myself because I don't, uh, you know, I, I uh, would might have to do some things that would violate God's will. There, there are people who hold that position, but this is not anything like that. We're not electing a man. We're not uh, we're not electing a man who may make godly decisions on one day and make ungodly decisions the other. This is about a a, a, a rule, a law, a principle that we have the opportunity to to. Yeah, uh, and amend. so as you say, even if you would have reservations about voting for a specific candidate. This is this is actually letting your voice be heard, not about politics, but about morality. Right. And so no individuals are, uh, uh, you know, you, you, yeah. as we said several times there in talking with Brian and since he left us, that you can vote on this amendment and not but you can go into the voting booth, vote yes on one and walk out. And actually, you've done a pretty effective thing, maybe even more effective than if you voted for all the candidates on on the ticket. All right. 877-381-4567. I, you know, we didn't get any feedback, and I don't think we will, uh, where people, you know, but there are some religious groups. For instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that you should be involved in politics. They don't vote. They don't believe that right. voting is right. Yeah. I can't even, and I don't know what position they would take on this, but I can't even think that they would oppose Letting your voice be heard on a on an important moral issue, but well, there's no telling, no telling. But again, I think all of our all of our listeners would be in unanimous agreement that it is proper. Now, as a follow up to that, what other areas would you think might also uh, be subject to legislation? You know, we hear this expression, Jacob: "You can't legislate morality." Which I think is actually just a, an absurd statement. You, people throw that out all the time. You can't legislate morality. We legislate morality continuously. Isn't that what God established governments for? I think so. All right. And and you know, that, you know that we have laws on the book about stealing, and we have laws on the book about murder. Uh, you know, those are matters of morality, and we have laws on the book to regulate them. And so the idea that we can't uh, legislate morality is foolish. We obviously do legislate morality. All right. We have to. Uh, you, you know, not killing is a moral issue. Exactly. Not stealing your car is a moral issue. We've got rules on all that, and I think Christians would uh, would be adamant if and uh, disturbed if we said, well, we're not going to regulate that anymore. Kill would, if you would want. Would you be willing? Now, uh, with that in mind, would you be willing for them to pass laws on other moral issues that are not currently regulated. For instance, we we have talked a, a good bit recently about drinking on the virtual Bible study. Would you be willing for them to reenact prohibition? I would. No. I would too. You know, I think a lot of people just recoil at the thought, oh man, you, you make it and make it illegal to yeah. to uh 
produce, sell, or consume alcohol. Oh, people just recoil at that. And that's when you usually hear you can't legislate morality. Uh, we ought to do it. We ought to do give some of the statistics. But statistically, prohibition, when it was in place for just the very few years that it was, <coughs> was actually really successful. Yeah. Uh, the consumption of alcohol dropped. Uh, public drunkenness dropped. Alcohol Rates of alcoholism dropped. And our government put almost no effort into enforcing that law. Uh, there was very little enforcement of the laws of prohibition, and yet it still was really – if you honestly evaluate it, it was wildly successful in reducing the problem of drunkenness in our society. Uh, so, you know, I'd be I'd be willing for them. Sure. Make it a law that you can't make, produce or consume alcohol. I'd be all for that. So there's there are probably several laws that I'd that I would support if they did that. Yeah. How about uh, making it illegal to, to commit adultery? That, that that was a law at one time, wasn't it? It was. Adultery was a, was a, a not only a, a sin a but a, a but a a crime. A crime. Yeah, I'm, I'm all uh, for it. Homosexuality that's, that's, was a crime. All right, let's make those. Yeah, if, if yeah, I had to say now that I, realistically we understand that's never going to happen, but but but, but we're, it, we're it, saying we wouldn't oppose laws that line up with God's law. Sure. You know, now if they start passing the law, what if they said, well. You can't worship on Sunday. Yeah. You know, well then, then they're contradicting God's law, and we'd have to yeah. oppose that. But any law that they'd care to pass that simply corresponds with God's expressed law in the New Testament, I could support that. Any thoughts on that, Jack? I agree. I uh, we've uh, we've we've come to the point where we're just going to cater to to the mass, to the, the majority of people. And instead of trying to follow God's laws and adhere to God's laws, uh, we want to find ways to get around those things because we're, we're just we're, our people are destroyed due to lack of knowledge. Now, so let's let's say that someone's having questions whether or not they should vote on on this uh, this issue. Uh, let's let's draw the parallel. What if it was uh, there was going to be a referendum in Tennessee? We're we're gonna we're trying to decide if we should make it illegal to uh, to commit adultery. You you have the opportunity. The opportunity. Tennessee citizens have the opportunity to vote whether or not it's uh, right, uh, if it should be a law to prohibit uh, pro- prohibit really? adultery. Well, Christians going to sit back and say, I don't know if a Christian needs to be voting on that. I don't know if it's right or not. No, every Christian certainly in his right mind would say, Yeah, let's go to the polls. We're going to vote on this. Well, this or, is or, a parallel. But but you know, this is actually even a little more fundamental than that. What if the, what if there was a law on the Tennessee ballot this fall to decide whether or not we should have a law that prohibits murder or not? Yeah, yeah. Tennessee go, law is okay. in Tennessee. We're either going to say this is we're taking a vote now. You can vote. Yeah. Do you want a law that says it's illegal to commit murder, or do you want a law that allows the commission of there murder? Mm-hmm. Well, who could? I mean, you wouldn't even have to think twice. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that's exactly what we're doing here yeah, with, with this abortion legislation. Right. Okay. Um, we got an email from Chris uh, in the U.K., uh, and he said, when I asked, "Do are there other areas that you think might be legislated? He said, for me as a Brit, I've never understood gun laws. To me, if I wanted to rob you and thought you might have a gun, say in a handbag or purse, I would nick that. That's. I think that's English for I would steal it. I think so. I, yeah. I would nick that so I could use your gun to see if I could get more out of you. All right. And so obviously the gun laws, uh, the gun gun 
uh, restrictions in England are much more strict than they are here in the United States. And mm-hmm. so uh, he he thinks maybe possibly I, he'd get a lot of pushback from a number of our listeners um, because actually we have a a uh, federal constitutional right to keep and bear arms. But, and again, we're getting in areas yeah, that yeah, may that, not be but, moral. But that, that's not a moral question right. in my opinion. Okay. Uh, uh, he said, what areas would be off limits to legislation? He mentions marriage. It is a spiritual practice with its own laws and boundaries, not ones that the government can meddle in. Two men, two women, let alone a triple, is not marriage. Uh, but uh, so but the government... I, I think what he's saying there, I think what he's saying there is that he doesn't think that government should redefine marriage. I'm not sure. I'm a little hazy on the way he's written that, but I think he, he is saying it should be off limits for the government to legislate and say two men and can get things that are immoral. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. All right. All right. Well, uh, we need to get into the question and maybe we take a break and, and come back to it. Uh, we need to talk about, well, is abortion really a moral issue? Yeah. Let's talk about what are our, uh, the, the follow-up question is what are our Best arguments against abortion. We'll do that to the top of the hour. All right. We'll get a break and go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Women give the following reasons for why they seek an abortion. 21% inadequate finances. 21% not ready for the responsibility. 16% her life would be changed too much. 12% problems with relationships or not married. 11% too young or immature. 8% children are already grown. She does not want any more. 3% baby has possible health problems, less than 1% pregnancy was caused by rape or incest. All that information is via Operation Rescue. The Word of God says in Psalm 106, beginning verse 38, They shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against them. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Back on the program, going to the top of the hour, we need to talk about, uh, well, whether or not this is a moral issue. Is abortion wrong? What do the scriptures teach about that? Let's talk about that from a couple of standpoints. One is, just from a very practical standpoint, just from a common sense standpoint, the number of lives that are being lost to abortion is just incredible. 
uh, we've talked about this n- not even that long ago on the virtual Bible study, but think of it this way. Since 1973, when the U.S. Supreme Court passed the Roe versus Wade decision legalizing abortion in all 50 states of the Union, there have been over 55 million abortions performed in the United States in the last 40 plus years. 55 million. That's incredible. That's an incredible number. 55 million. To put it in perspective, the total number of war dead, the total number of soldiers who have died in uh, combat in all the wars that have been fought by the United States going all the way back to the Revolutionary War, including World Wars I and II and Korea and Vietnam and all the current fighting in the Mideast, you add up all the war dead, and of course it's a horrible number, one and a half million. Wow. One and a half million. Now, we build memorials to these guys who've died in protecting our freedoms, and rightfully we should. Hey, you remember the Vietnam era? That was back in your heyday. There were people rioting in the streets over the death of the American citizens over yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, but the numbers pale in comparison to how many have been killed by abortion, 55 yeah. million. So I, I think, you know, if if you're a God-fearing person, and if you really are, you know, in your heart of hearts, you agree that abortion is bad, but you just, you're not just really worked up about, you know, it's not that big a deal, is it? Do I really have to get out and vote? Because is, is it that important? It's important when you're talking about how many are being killed constantly. The total now surpassing 55 million that have been killed by abortion. But it's not really live. It's just uh, it's a, it's it's a an embryo massive or tissue. a massive tissue. What do you think about that? Well, actually, um, I had something else here. Um, While you're have, looking. Have, have, you, have you seen any of those things that talk about fetal development? Yeah. 18th day after conception, the heart begins beating and pumps blood through its own bloodstream. 20th day after conception, the foundation of the entire nervous system is established. Now, that's 20 days. Most women don't even know they're pregnant. At this yeah, point. but but if there's a nervous system, then there's feeling, right, yeah. after 20 days. After five weeks, nose, cheek, nose and cheeks appear. Fingers are faintly visible. After six weeks, the skeleton is complete. The stomach, kidneys, and liver begin to function. In fact, at, at that point... They use aborted fetuses to to uh, harvest tissue for transplant and experimentation. At what day? After just six weeks of pregnancy. Six weeks. Mm. At seven weeks, brainwave activity is recorded. You know, uh, we were at, at the meeting that Jack and I were at earlier today. Uh, some were talking about, you know, that's how they determine when a person's dead now is if there's no brainwave activity. Yeah. Well, if there is brainwave activity... And a fetus at seven weeks, then that would argue that it is alive. Yeah. At eight to nine weeks, the response, there is response to external stimuli, again, indicating that there is feeling. At 12 weeks, uh, all body systems are functioning, and the tiny, all that remains for the tiny baby is growing in the mother's womb. Yeah. Um, and now, and I'm a, 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 probably a large majority of, of abortions are after the 12 oh, weeks. Oh, yeah. And now, and even in Tennessee, a woman can get an abortion legally up to the day before she delivers uh, mm. her baby. Now, uh, say, say that again. In Tennessee, you, uh, so a, 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 a baby that's 39 weeks, they can abort that baby. Yeah. Uh, the only thing Tennessee restricts right now, and we, we learned this today in the meeting as well, the only thing that Tennessee restricts is partial birth abortion. In Tennessee, they cannot do partial birth abortion. They can still abort that baby, but they can't do it by partial birth abortion. But it's commonly believed that if this amendment fails in November, then 
Planned Parenthood and the ACLU will go back and will will easily win in the courts a, a, a measure to overthrow even that restriction of partial birth abortion. Uh, uh, and our listeners who are sort of straddling the fence ought to do some research on the Internet about the, the way that the abortions are conducted and the, and the grisly details of, of that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, Not even the partial birth abortions are grisly enough, but just the regular uh, run-of-the-mill Vanilla abortions are are totally uh, horrendous. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris in UK says in Britain, and I think also in 30 or so states of the US, if a pregnant woman is murdered, it is a double homicide, and apparently that's from according to the Supreme Court ruling because that's when they have a heartbeat. Uh, but they have a heartbeat at five weeks old. Why is killing that baby not homicide when it's caused by a doctor uh, sanctioned by the patient? Why is that not murder also guilty of a crime? Yeah, that is a, that is an inconsistency in our in our uh, legal system right now. He goes on to say, God is the author of life, and he's given every individual supreme value. Each life, whether inside or outside the womb, should therefore be valued. Psalm 139. God knows the plans he has for each individual and has written in his book all the days are named for us before one of them came to be. When we presume to know better than God who should be given life, we are putting ourselves in the place of God and are guilty of idolatry. All right. And Caleb in the chat room uh, references Isaiah 26, verses 7 through 10. He says, we need to try and put God's judgments in the land. Everything you just mentioned, God has distinctly lined out in his word as sin. Uh, Verse 10 of Isaiah 26 talks about if favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness and the land does not see the Lord's majesty. Uh, and so uh, Caleb is saying that uh, if going back to the book of Isaiah even, we determine that we should establish righteousness in the land. Yeah. Thank you, Caleb, for that. Um, in uh, an uh, email from Ramona, she's offering an argument, and I think it's a good argument, that comes from when Mary was pregnant with Jesus. She went to visit Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, and uh, this is actually from Luke chapter 1, verses, verse 44. All right, so you're going to make an argument uh, here from uh, the New Testament that shows us that abortion is, uh, is murder. Yeah. Um, in Luke 1, verse 44, John was in his mother's womb, mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And when Mary came to see her, Elizabeth said, the babe leapt in my womb. Mm-hmm. The, the Greek word there is brephos. In Luke 2, verse 16... There's a reference to Jesus after he was born, lying in the manger. Outside the womb. Outside the womb, and the same word is used, brephos. And right. so that's the argument that Ramona suggests to us. All right. Takes so, an argument against abortion. So, and those are words that God chose, uh, and God used the same word to describe both. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Chris uh, in UK has sent what I think is a really powerful text. We've used it before. I think it maybe makes one of the best arguments from the Bible from Exodus 21, verses 22 and 23. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. In in the law of Moses in Exodus 21, it was spelled out if a, if, if a man injured a pregnant woman and if the life of the baby was lost the punishment was the same as if the baby was already born uh, uh, you know uh, uh, outside the womb and i think that makes a great argument and so if you're arguing with anyone as to whether or not the bible condemns abortion 
I think that Exodus 21 passage is excellent for that. And Ramona in Texas references Job 31, verse 15. Did he? Did not he who made me in the womb make him, and did not one fashion us in the womb? Uh, Job 31, verse 15, talking about God forming us in the womb. Thank you, Ramona. Uh, another from Chris, Amos 1, verse 13. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the children of Ammon, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have ripped up the women with child of Gilead, that they might enlarge their border. In other words, God was holding them accountable for killing unborn babies. I, I had not thought of that verse, but I think Amos one thirteen is a good one there. All right, very good. Um, and you know, in the Old Testament, uh, we were offended by the the terrible uh, practice of uh, was it Molech that they would offer their children to uh, pass yeah. their children through yeah. the fire? Yeah. Uh, how offensive that would have been. And and yet, aren't we doing the same thing today with abortion in our pursuit of pleasure and of other things? Did you hear those statistics that we that were in the last break? That the trends about why women get abortions? Yeah. It's all about self. Yeah. It's not a good time for me. It would be inconvenient. I'm not ready for it. I don't want to accept the responsibility. And so, what is that? That's worshiping self. Our, that, yeah, we've made ourselves the idol rather than Molech. And, yeah, and, uh, we're, but and, we're willing to kill our children sure. to serve our idolatrous right. idea. Okay. okay. Uh, Caleb in the chat room says it's amazing to note that in Genesis 25, 21 through 23, when Hannah is complaining to God about the struggle in her womb, uh, um, and that's that's Rebecca, I think, rather than Hannah. Yes, it is. Uh, God refers to Jacob and Esau as human beings. Mm-hmm. We know from the beginning of Genesis that murder is wrong, Cain and Abel. So why would it be different when God is referring to children in the womb as people? I think you're right. Excellent observation there, Caleb. Thank you for sending that in again. Yeah, Genesis 25, uh, 21 through 23. All right. Uh, Chris in UK offers a couple more passages that we can use in argumentation. Um uh, the unborn, uh, let's see, uh, Jeremiah 7, verse 6. If you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other, other gods you hurt, God was going to bless them. The shedding of innocent blood, often in the Old Testament. That expression, I looked that up just today, by the way. The shedding of innocent blood is repeated frequently in the Old Testament. It's repulsive. How could, how could there be a more more literal and graphic example of shedding innocent blood than the killing of an unborn child? All right. Uh, Deuteronomy 27:25. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. And then it's simply Exodus 20, verse 13, thou shalt not kill. God, the giver of life, commands us not to take life of an innocent person. I agree, Chris. Very good. Now, you ask a question before we end. Uh, what about uh, the, in the case of rape oh, or yeah. incest? Oh, is is abortion acceptable? Because that seems to be a big hang-up for people. Well, we've got to have some clause here. We don't want to step on that right. If someone is raped or if they're a victim of incest, we want them to have a right to abortion. We don't want generally generally the population to have a right to abortion. But in this case, we think it'd be okay. Real quickly, express our, our sympathies to Chris and his wife in the U.K. He mentions that this week they've had to deal with a miscarriage at seven weeks. Uh, and so our, our sympathies to, to Chris and, and to his wife. We've been there. We've done that. And we know how hurtful that is. We'll be thinking of you. But here's what he said about that, Jacob. Should there be exceptions? He says, work through these with me. A preacher and his wife are very, very poor who already have 14 kids. Now the wife is pregnant again. Considering their poverty and the overcrowding of the world, should she abort? If so, you would have killed John Wesley. A mother who has TB of their four children, the first is blind, the second died, the third is deaf, and the fourth has TB. She's pregnant. Should she abort? If, you just, if so, you just killed Beethoven. 
Mm-hmm. A black 13-year-old girl is raped by a man and is now pregnant. Should she abort? If so, you have killed gospel singer Ethel Waters. Mm. A teenage girl is pregnant and not yet married. Her fiancé, who is not the father, wants to call off the engagement once he knows. Should she abort? If so, you just killed Jesus. Wow. The person is not the result of their conception or the circumstances surrounding it. It is the result of the life they lead. We must trust God, God's guidance and grace being committed to him. I think that's the truth. You know, to me, if we make this exception for rape or incest, then we're making the unborn child pay the price of the sin that was committed. We're certainly raping incest or sins, but why should this innocent child bear the consequence of that? Absolutely. You, uh, you, just because they're, someone else has done wrong doesn't give us the right to do something that's wrong. Yeah. And did, back up to those statistics in our last break. You know, I've heard people say, well, we got to have, we got to make abortion available because of rape and incest. Rape, uh, abortions performed because the pregnancy resulted from rape and incest amount to less than 1% of all the abortions that are performed, less than 1%. And so we're going to allow all these other abortions, we're going to allow them to be legal in order to maintain the right of just a tiny fraction of women to get abortions for rape. I don't think we should have abortions for rape or incest either. But even if you argue that, how can you rightfully say we should allow all these others to be killed because of this tiny fractional percentage that are caused And we're not trying to marginalize what a woman who had been through that would have to go through and uh, and the, the pain that would result throughout that pregnancy, no doubt, uh, yeah. from that. But, yeah. uh, but Ramona it certainly says, isn't justified. Just quickly, we're over time. Ramona pregnancy. says, very hard question to ask, as I'm being a woman, but she says, thanks to God, I have had to consider this. But we must ask, will God go along with our judgment if we do this? Do we have the right to play God? Will God be merciful and forgiving to us if we take innocent life under these unusual and criminal circumstances? These are questions that trouble me. May God save women from ever having to make such a decision. And that would be our prayer, too. All right. Uh, Jack, any thoughts? You've been in the chat room tonight. Anything that we've missed there? It's been a busy night uh, here on this side of, of things. I, I think we, the, most of the audience there that I'm reading agree with us. I, I just want to encourage us all to not just, once this is over, just forget about this episode. We, we have got to take this information and share it with others. Go to the site if you if you're so willing. You know, get some get some uh, advertising things. Put the, put it on your car. Talk. Put a put button on. Talk to people, um, and and let's get people motivated to go out and vote on November fourth here in Tennessee. Again, got to do that. It's a moral issue. Amen. It's a, and we're, we're we're voting on whether or not murder uh, should right. be legal. Uh, so no problem voting there. That's right. All, All right. right. Thank you for your time good. tonight, Dave. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Jack, Jack, thank you, Jack. You helped organize this tonight. Thank you, Jack, for the idea and for uh, for your efforts yeah. getting this together. No problem. It was it was your dad's idea. I I, I heard about it and then I, I told him about it and then he said, Hey, let's make this happen. I think it's a great idea. Thanks to Brian Harris for taking yes, time out of his Brian. busy schedule. President of Tennessee Right to Life. Project. Check him out yes. at yesonone.org or yes on the number one tn.org. Both right. of them get you, you the that. same spot. Or just do a Google search for yes on one. All You'll right, get right. There. Uh, yes. Someone in Tennessee. In Tennessee. Right. Right. Good uh, discussion tonight. Thank you all for Thanks, your Jacob. time. Thank you for joining us. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.